Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Hey guys, DA here, and it's the PGP. Welcome inside the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. The show about the show, the show within the show. Now, as always, you can get this PGP available on the normal DA show podcast feed. So you'll get full hours of the show and then the best of the show during football season, Sunday morning football as well, and the Permission Granted podcast. Or if you listen to all of that live and just want to subscribe to the Permission Granted podcast, you can do that as well on its own podcast feed. Just search Permission Granted. And watch us mornings at watchda.com. That's available on your mobile devices, including your phone. It's also available on Twitch at the CBS Sports Radio channel on Twitch. Having a good time! That is what is ringing in my ears right now after Tuesday's show, where Mraz's neighbor, Upside Down Mike, who's also a loyal D alien and listener of the show, screamed into his phone after the Islanders won game one over the Penguins in the first round of the playoffs on Sunday. On a day in which his wife was having their bridal shower, her bridal shower, and he got so drunk and hyped up for that Islanders game, he couldn't even drive to go get her and pick up the, the gifts. And that was your trash. He then called in to defend himself. How loyal is Upside Down Mike? Do you think he was listening to the entire show and heard us or heard you trash him? Or do you think that somebody alerted him that you did that? Well, I know he bounces around from a couple shows in the mornings and then does the best of or catches on Rewind because a lot of times I'll get texts from him on stuff said on the show probably around 4 or 5 o'clock. So sometimes he's catching it up on the ride home. But I don't know. Somebody very easily could have alerted him. I know he's some part of a D-Alien group chat as well. So I'm sure that lit up. But he really, really had to go in and defend himself. And, and I got to be honest, I'm even getting texts from some family members of mine who have, who visited the shower, who think I've put them in hot water with Mike's wife, who might have been embarrassed that her husband did this as well. So there could be an enormous snowball effect coming from this trash Tuesday. Wait a second. So what is the fallout? His wife, Michelle, could be embarrassed? Could be embarrassed that basically she, as the bride, was left hanging and gave her husband the pass and basically makes it seem like the other guests 
left her shower and basically alerted me to you wouldn't believe what he did and then she could be upset with me or at them that they made this a big deal and she's trying to hide it because maybe she might be a little embarrassed by what happened with her soon-to-be husband. So her husband was mad at you for leaking the details and now his fiance could be mad at you for leaking the details. Yes, I get my my assumption here is that whatever happened on Sunday with not showing up and her giving him the quote unquote pass was one of those, you know, Patriots moments where we're not going to leak a lot to the press here. We're going to handle oh. this in house and whatever discipline comes down will be an in-house matter, but now that this has gone public through the media through the DA show, it could force a little pressure, and now maybe Ruick gets a little suspension at home now that everybody has an idea of what's <laughs> gone on. So now the team might have to have a bit of a show to make the league happy. Exactly. Suspend for a little think, bit longer. I think that's exactly it, because clearly he's lost in the clouds when he calls in later in the show, DA, and says, well, they told me not to come, but... Remember, he gave that important details. I pointed out she called and said, yeah, come on your way. And then he sounded like he sounded in the video. And two minutes later was told not to come. And he thinks in his eyes, oh, that means not to come. When in reality, I think any guy who's been there before with a wife getting married, shower, it's kind of the tradition. You show up, pick him up, knows that he put himself in that hot water. You can't be taking your wife literally in that moment. So she's going to have the bridal shower. And he's not supposed to be there. That's for all of her friends. Sure. He's supposed to be home hanging out and watching the Islanders game. That's fine. Where he went wrong was he got so bombed that he couldn't actually help carry the presents home because he wasn't going to be much of a help. And when he called, he wasn't going to drive. His dad was going to drive him in a pickup truck to go get the gifts. When he called, I guess a little bit late as well to the ending of this party, she just waved him off and said, you know what? You just hang at home. We're coming back there anyway, and my friends will pick up the gifts, right? That's kind of what it went down? Yes, and, and I do want to be clear here because we're speaking to a national audience. I am not sure the customary traditions outside of the New York area, so to speak, but in, in customary New York tradition when it comes to a bridal shower – the husband, of course, doesn't hang out at the shower. It's for her and her family and, and friends and all the females that would be going to the wedding. His job, he has one job that day. He has to show up with about 15, 20 minutes left in that shower with a bouquet of flowers. She's supposed to know it's coming, but it's kind of like a surprise. He gives her the big kiss, hope your shower's gone well, and then his – ooh, ah, take a little picture. And then he brings all the gifts and loads them into whatever trucks or cars to bring back home. That is the groom's only job. You could do whatever you want for the other three hours of the shower. You want to watch the Islander game hang out? Even want to have a couple beers, that's fine. But you better be good to go and ready to pick up and do the whole basically – a Cinderella moment with the flowers and the picture and he could not perform and that's where she waves him off because at that point when he's got to ask okay you're ready for me to come and not just take it out and know what time the shower's ending he's already begun to botch the whole situation <laughs> so she waves him off they come back home and he says it was fine because they'd already cleaned up the house before everybody got there earlier in the morning you had trashed him because you felt like it put you in a bad spotlight that all of the women around you in your neighborhood and the social circle were now looking at their guys, their husbands, and being like, you better not screw up because Upside Down Mike just screwed up. You better not try to pull anything like that. And so you wanted to trash him for putting you in a, in a precarious position. 
he calls up to defend himself. Do you think he did more damage than good by calling in to clear his name? Oh, he absolutely did more damage because I think anybody listening to his call realized how oblivious he was still to understanding where he went wrong. And and I want to stress this, DA. I don't have another bridal shower coming up, so I'm not worried about doing the same thing Ruick did. I've already taken care of and done my job there. But let's face it. There are moments, we all have them, where there are certain things we may not want to do where we get away with not doing them and we can hang out, watch a game, something like that. We, I know I've dodged a lot of those, and we all have football Saturdays, Sundays, and, and our wives lower expectations than they get used to not expecting us to do much. But when you mess up you know, a crown jewel event, like that moment they wait for, for their husband to come in like Prince Charming at the bridal shower at the end with the flowers, then suddenly every other minor moment gets put back under the microscope and we get looked at and painted in the same light as him. And that is what I'm trashing because now we all got to be on our toes and throw perfect games this summer and we got the NBA and NHL playoffs in full swing. So he calls up and now maybe there's a fallout from his wife and your friends and once again you leaking information through the media could really get you personally in hot water yes so we have also like a separate family group chat with sisters wives and weathering and my one sister sam has declared everybody please stop telling sean stuff (laughs) so there is a fear (laughs) that stuff that they're worried about which would be a ridiculous backlash like the the idea that Ruick's soon-to-be wife would be angry at any of the females that I know for telling me this because she wants to keep it quiet because she knows it's embarrassing. I mean, come on. I think we can laugh about it. I mean, he made the video. We all have Twitter. I mean, we he made the video. I don't I don't think anybody's hiding from the fact that we knew he was plastered watching the Islander game. So I, I don't know how any of this can come back on me. I will make, though, a request that we now have to play the audio of every one of his post-game videos on Twitter. Now, some of our listeners pointed out that he actually does this regularly even without the playoffs. So is this true that Upside Down Mike just posts videos about the Islanders all the time? I've seen some random ones. I don't know that's an every game thing. And and to be honest, during the regular season, I'm not a New York Islander fan. I'm not necessarily clicking to watch them all. But knowing that this was an overtime playoff game and knowing that my wife specifically was at the shower, this was the day I'm moving everything out by myself. She had to go to the shower uh, from my house for this renovation situation, I saw the video pop up on my timeline, and I looked at the time and realized my wife was going to be coming home soon. I said, boy, i got to watch this. Something's not adding up here, which is where I noticed and had to find out. So he might make those videos a lot. I've definitely seen other videos, but this is the first one that, to me, really caught my eye because I understood the circumstances in which he was making this video. Well, now we have a directive, and I told him, you got to make these videos all the time so we can play them. So we'll see if he does that after game two tonight, even in a loss. I want to see what he's, his reaction is. Was he? Did he become friends of yours, of you and Danielle, after they moved in, or were they previously friends and they moved into your neighborhood? No, we all grew up in West Babylon, but they are a few years younger than I would be, so we didn't necessarily run in the same circles growing up. But he, upside down Mike, was best friends growing up with my soon-to-be brother-in-law. So via, you know, that, that uh, you know, branch, if you will, my bro- soon-to-be brother-in-law brings his friends into the circle. We have my friends into the circle. Bob's Bar is a centerpiece location. Then you become close with some of them. They become close with some of them over here. And it's just, you know how it is. It becomes a big melting pot. So he had all- always lived nearby. I had just not really run in the same circles and because he was younger. And then, you know, as we get older, drink together and know the same people, you become close. 
You might be wondering why Upside Down Mike is nicknamed as such. It's because somehow he pulled off this thing where on Twitter, his name is Upside Down. His name is Mike Ruick, R-U-I-C. But for some, I don't know how he pulled this off. His font, his letters for his name, Mike Ruick, are Upside Down. So I just nicknamed him Upside Down Mike. It is true. I have no idea how he could have done that. That seems like some crazy code to, to have and crack, and I don't even know why you'd want it to begin with, to be honest. So one night two summers ago, I was at Bob's Bar, and we had a really good night, and I was planning on driving home. And you were having a good time. I was having a good time. And then So I wasn't having that good a time because I was going to drive home, and then suddenly I was like, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head out, so I don't, I don't uh, want any more drinks or whatever. I'm going to just eat here and you know, take it easy. And upside down, Mike's like, no, you got to stay over. And I'm like, well, where am I going to stay over? Oh, you got to stay over. You got, where am I? He's like, at my house. Now, this is the first time I'd ever met Mike. He's like, stay at my house. He's like, I live just down the block. And I'm like, really? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Bob's bar was just jamming that night. So I was like, well, all right. It, the, the, Offers seemed better and better and better as the night wore on. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. Do you remember what happened when you learned that I would be staying at Upside Down Mike's house? Yes. You put your your hand on Danielle's shoulder and repeatedly asked her, are you sure I'm going to be okay? Are you <laughs> sure I'm going to be okay? And she kept looking at me. I said, yeah, you're going to be fine. He's fine. I knew he had the extra room. I knew he was a nice enough guy. I had known him enough at that point. I knew you weren't going to get axe murdered or anything, but it was definitely one of those when I woke up in a completely different house, I thought to myself, oh, my God, I can't believe he really just sleeps. He doesn't even know them, and he sleeps in their <laughs> house. But we all were in that same mode, right? You're drinking. You're having a good time. And then, hey, you know, what's mine is yours. What's yours is his. And it all worked out. And I don't even know if I was going to drive. Maybe I was going to take the train. But even so, the train going back into Brooklyn was going to be like late night, two hours on the train. Well, and, and not only that, remember the next morning you were due to go on a boat with Geo on Long Island. So you didn't want to oh, go back to Brooklyn that's to come right. back. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I'm like, all right. And so I was asking Danielle, are you sure this is okay? Not because I was worried about getting murdered, but also... Because, like, he was a gregarious, amazing guy, but I didn't really know whether he's just saying this because I'm there, whether his wife was going to be okay at the time was his girlfriend. Was everything kosher? Is this really okay if I stay over? And you guys all gave me the green light. But he did say we can walk over there. And when I told you that the next day, you're like, oh, my God, he doesn't live close enough to walk to. He, that's definitely a car. Exactly. And obviously you did walk. It, it, it is walkable in the sense of like anything is walkable, but he probably lives over two miles away, <laughs> which like, OK, yeah, like we all. It's at least a mile. I don't know if it's two. I don't right, know if maybe I would have been able to walk two is, miles one, flip-flop. It's one of those where we all got used to the pandemic. If you went for your runs and had your little run apps, you'd realize it's in reality, it's not that far. But after 12 hours of drinking and wearing flip flops and knowing like that, as you pointed out, going behind a church, cutting across a field, like the route you have to go to get there. That's not the best. Like at that point, you pay the six bucks for an Uber and you just go home, don't walk it off. 
Yeah, I think that his girlfriend, I think Michelle was okay to drive and that she drove herself home. And I think she even offered to drive us. And Mike, yeah, Mike. I think, waved it off and like, oh, no, no, we can walk. It's a nice night. I'm pretty sure that's the way that went down. That might be true. And either way, what a colossal mistake. See, this is now we're getting a track record. Monumental <laughs> mistake after monumental mistake this man lives. And you had to follow his lead to a house. What a remarkable night. I wake up and my wife just like, you stayed over a stranger's house? You Was that okay with them? I'm like, I think it was. He kept inviting me over. She's like, you stayed at somebody we didn't know's house? And you got up and what? You brushed your teeth with their toothbrush? I'm like, Michelle offered me a toothbrush and toothpaste. I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Like, they... they it was like an Airbnb. She's like, I can't believe how embarrassing you are. That you just... Stay at total random people. I'm like, they're not random. Now they're my friends. They're our friends. They're great. <laughs> and honestly, they are great. They're great they people. Are. So they are great. So what, it is, it's one of those things where it's not awkward, but in, when you think about it, it sounds ridiculous. <laughs> so now Upside Down Mike is a crucial member of uh, the DA show's cast of thousands because <laughs> we'll always remember this whole Trash Tuesday situation. So... Uh, the other thing that I wanted to address was this tweet that I got, which was from Seashell Pipes, who <laughs> says, hey, D.A., just remember Dave Mustaine wrote a song that he thought was awesome for his wife, and she hated it, so he stopped listening to it for a while, but then started listening to it again, and it became awesome. So there's hope for you and your David Wells story after all. And after you've poo-pooed my David Wells story and said I've told it too much and it's ruined forever because David Wells doesn't care about it, I've actually gotten a lot of support on Twitter and from uh, friends of mine who have texted that were listening to the show. So I think you might be in the wrong here that maybe there's a second life for this. Well, see, this is where it's getting misconstrued. I do love the story. I think it is a great story. And I do, as kind of a piggyback off what happened, I actually think you telling the story of what happened to David Wells and him not caring makes that actually a better story than the actual bird poop to begin with. Again, my problem is I think I've just been in too many places or with you when you retell the story. And it's one of those, if you haven't heard it in a long time or if you've never heard it at all, it's one of the great sports going to a game stories you'll ever hear. But when you hear it repeatedly and you were part of the reveal to the person who threw the perfect game and you saw their reaction and how basically they looked at the rest of us that were with you. Like David Wells looked at all of us who were your friends in this bar with embarrassment. Like, is this guy really going to tell a story? I hear everybody's got in my purse. It made us all feel like we were embarrassed to be with you because you were telling the story. So there's just a different viewpoint if if you were there with us at that bar with David Wells and saw how it went down. And also, mind you, that I love David Wells. I was a Yankee fan. That was a big moment for me. And now David Wells looks at me as the schlep with the guy who's making up some fakakta story about being at his perfect game when he's heard everything, even though we know it's not made up. That's probably true, that you've just heard it far too many times. And I've, you know, I've told it in mixed company far too many times. I mean, the Cliff's Notes version is I'm not a Yankee fan, but one day in May of 98, my buddies who are are Yankee fans said we wanted to (laughs) – They wanted to go to a Yankee game. Do you want to come along? So I said, sure. It ends up being David Wells' perfect game, and a seagull poops on my forearm in the sixth inning, and everybody in the section refuses to allow me to wipe it off because it's good luck, and David Wells pitches a perfect game, 
And so I had bird poop on my arm the entire game until it was over. I wiped it off. We saw David Wells at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I tried to tell him the story, and he couldn't care less. He's like, I've heard a million stories about people that were at my game. Turned around and just went back to taking JMO shots with other buddies that he was with. And he was like three sheets of the wind and didn't care. And I'm like, wow, that's a letdown. I would have thought David Wells would have loved a bird poop on my arm story. But even David Wells, who just like a big, jolly, chubby guy, I thought would love a poop story, did it. <laughs> and for those of you who listen to Tuesday's show and the PGP, now you're in the same camp as me of already hearing that story twice this week. <laughs> that was a quick version, though. That was like 45 seconds. It's great that David Wells also played the perfect caricature of himself. We see him at a bar. We introduce ourselves. He is in the middle of doing shots of Jameson. He then invites us to do shots of Jameson with him. And when I try to tell him a story about his own perfect game, doesn't care because he wants to take more shots of Jameson. <laughs> That's exactly what happened exactly what happened hey at least he had the credit card out he was more than he was more than willing to buy shots he was a man of the people we'll that's give him true that. he did buy the shots didn't he he did he did you know what those steinbrenner checks were a little bigger than our intercom checks. so i'm glad he did that night that's a good question i wonder how much he's making these days i mean i'm guessing there's some type of memorabilia auction contract that he has to sign pictures every year frame pictures or whatever of his perfect game but how much could a David Wells be pulling in these days unless he just put all of his money into some type of you know, savings account or, or rather investment account and just makes money off of that? Well, good question. He definitely probably has some sort of investment off the money he made in Major League Baseball. I believe he wrote a book as well on the perfect game, which helped. And like you said, once you throw a perfect game, you're always going to be involved in whatever autograph auctions or signings and all of that stuff. I mean, just by being David Wells who threw a perfect game for the Yankees, he's always going to have work at some kind of memorabilia show when he needs a quick buck if he needs one. That's the thing. You just need one moment in sports. That's why winning a Super Bowl, an NBA Finals, a World Series, a Stanley Cup is so crucial to these guys. You don't have to be a star. There's only a handful of those guys that will be invited to everything all of the time and just make money because you're a legacy guy. But if you are a member of like, I don't know, you're an offensive lineman on the 2002 Buccaneers, you know, there's a market for you. You you have a Super Bowl ring. You you get marketed that way. There's autograph signings, and there's take a picture with this guy, and there's this radio spot, or this car dealership wants you because you're always Super Bowl winning Joe Blow, not just Joe Blow. If you haven't made Pro Bowls, you know, if you're not an all-decade team guy, if you're not a Hall of Famer, winning that is huge, or as you just said, one milestone and in baseball there's individual milestones not really in football or basketball so much so if you throw a no-no and nobody's ever heard of you that's okay you know you'll have some market and if you throw a no-no for the yankees forget it you can live on that forever and i mean look at dave Vergetti. throws the no-no for the yankees and dave Vergetti is forever going to be yep. part of autograph signings and memorabilia auctions and throwback um days and you know the the yes networks remember when i mean you live that forever 
Yeah, no good. Jim Abbott, another one through a no-hitter. And, and you bring up the Bucks. How about Dexter Jackson? Nobody would even know who he was if he wasn't a Super Bowl MVP. Still makes autograph appearances. It, it is true. The one moment in sports will pay for the rest of your life. Forever. I mean, because if David Wells doesn't throw the perfect game, what do we remember him for? What's his number one bio line? I mean, World Series champion, I guess. But, I mean, he's just one of a, a number of those Yankee pitchers that were really good in the postseason. He's not the premier guy. When you look back on those teams like Clemens or Pettit, he's just a World Series champion, New York Yankees. Yep. Now, that's huge. So, you know, being a two-time champ for the Yankees itself will pay good bills down the road. But there wouldn't be one thing. David Wells did make three All-Star games. I'm kind of surprised to see. So there's that. Yeah. I and he was the... He- he was traded for Clemens, too, wasn't he? Yeah, that was the Blue Jays-Yankees swap. I believe that. I believe Wells was part of that trade. I think you're right. And he also was apparently the ALCS MVP one year. I don't know which ALCS. Might have been 98, but I'd have to double-check that. Let's see. He was on the 98 Yankees that won the World Series. That might have been he... his only ring. It says two-time World Series champion. Oh, you know what? He was, I think he was a part-timer on one of those Blue Jays teams. Early in his career? Yeah. Oh, wow. What a weird career. Yeah, you're right. How about this? So he's so known as being a Yankee for that perfect game. He was only a Yankee in 97, 98, and then he came back in 02 and 03. Yeah, four four years. And he played for a million teams in his career. A A million. million teams. Which is why, which again, if he doesn't have the perfect game, what is he really remembered as a big Yankee during that era? No. He played for the Blue Jays for eight, Yankees for four, Padres three, Tigers three, Red Sox two, Dodgers, Reds, Orioles, White Sox one. Played for everybody. Amazing. Amazing. Had a great year on, on one of the great teams of all time in 98. But again, that perfect game's part of an ALCS MVP. If you took away 1998 in his life, what is David Wells? Yeah, really? Wow. That is wild. What would you remember him for without 1998? And he did it on Beanie Baby Day. Remember how crazy it was to go to a game or anywhere and get Beanie Babies back then? DA, not only that, my David Wells perfect game story is this. I went to their next Beanie Baby game like a month later that season, and none of the dads who took all of us kids to the game would allow us to open the Beanie Babies out of packaging until the game was over and we made sure nothing historical had happened because during that craze, remember, the, the Beanie Babies were going for like buku bucks on eBay or whatever existed in 98. Yeah. And then anybody who thought, oh, I'll hold on to them and they'll basically only go up in price, well, you're an idiot because I think they're worth nothing today. It's absolutely true. So did you get a Beanie Baby? Yes, I did. And I ended up, like, putting it in some stupid plastic case with, like, the ticket stub. And it's just <laughs> – it's probably still at my parents. But I remember just looking at it at one point when I was a teenager <laughs> and just going, like, this isn't the David Wells Beanie Baby or the game. Why do I have this in a plastic case with a ticket stub? Like, it was some nondescript game versus the Texas Rangers <laughs> that meant nothing Yet, because it was a Beanie Baby given away to Yankee game the same year as Wells' perfect game, like my mom rushed to have it in like a clay. It made no sense. I think the case started falling apart. It was before I moved out, I remember looking at it going, this was such a useless thing I kept. <laughs> okay, so I'm quickly on eBay right now looking at the David Wells Beanie Babies, okay? Okay. One is 
One says it's a New York Yankees 98 champs beanie baby, David Wells, pre-owned $3. But it has pinstripes on it, so I don't think it's the real one. Because then there is a David Wells 1998 perfect game beanie baby plus ticket stub, and that's 150 bucks. And then another beanie baby with the card with the card that it comes with, the ticket stub in the case for 175 bucks. That feels like a waste of 150, 175 bucks. And like, what are you gonna do if people come over and look at this? You're gonna lie and say you went to the game. Why do you need the ticket stuff with it? <laughs> and then one says, "Beanie Baby with card, brown nose, Yankees David Wells perfect game, brand new in the case, for two thousand five hundred." Whoa. So was there specific ones that had a brown nose instead of the black nose? Wow, maybe there were a couple ones where they were off a little bit, and those are worth you. That's the first I've ever heard of that. I mean, come on. But who would know that? And then, um, what just are Beanie Babies going for these days? I mean, if I just wanted to buy a Beanie Baby, just a rando Beanie Baby. It's okay, funny. so there are there are rare like ones t- that are a couple of hundred bucks, maybe okay. even a thousand bucks. Like the platypus apparently is a is an important one. That's got that's two grand. Then there's the Princess Diana baby be, beanie baby that's twenty three grand. But then wow. regular beanie babies are like twenty bucks. Yeah, because somebody got Taylor one for her birthday. Like, I guess they they tried to make a comeback. Maybe they were a little bigger, and they're made by that company Ty. I think is yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, oh, look, I found a Beanie Baby. They're back. And I think I remember asking how much it was. And they were like, oh, it was like 12 bucks. I'm like, oh, boy. This was the craze we all went nuts for. They're back for 12 bucks. I mean, come on. Boy, I wonder what makes some of these expensive. Because now I'm seeing one for 14 grand that it just looks like a regular purple Beanie Baby. Maybe it was the first one. A bear. Then there is Aaron, the green bear, which was retired, apparently. That's $1,000. And then there's other Beanie Babies that are two bucks. <laughs> kind of like baseball cards. You have no idea why people are fighting each other over them, but occasionally you might get one worth a couple grand. Yeah. Well, the, it's interesting. I should go through my sister's Beanie Babies and just say, like, hey, we can make poach some her Beanie this. Babies? You going to poach hers? To I would tell her, hey, you want to make some cash? Sell some Beanie Babies. What, does she have a whole collection still? I don't even know if she still has them, but she used to collect them when she was a kid. Oh. What stupid things we collected. What stupid, stupid things. So you are doing Canadian Bacon. It's back for year number two, and you're going to do a a morning recap of the night in the Stanley Cup playoffs with puns included. And today, Connor Green was in, so he did a Green Party segment, and you're feeling the pressure. So you're going to talk to him on Side B? Yeah, we're going to compare notes. Maybe I could even get tips from Connor Green. Maybe I could lend a hand to Connor Green as well. But I think the two forces of a Green Party and Canadian Bacon rarely can join up here on Side B while we're in season for Canadian Bacon. So I think there's just some stuff we need to hammer out and iron out and see if maybe we can each have a better Green Party and a better Canadian Bacon moving forward from this very day. (laughs) So you will end up taking some some notes from Connor because he really brings the house down. He does. He does. I, I, I need to ask him questions on his delivery, his preparation. I just look, this is like getting a lecture from a guest speaker. I need to speak <laughs> to Connor Green. 
Are you going to end up driving over to Bogus's house for the leftover Chipotle catering that he got? So I want to text him in a little bit after the show. I have uh, a big G whiz taping coming up, and then I have to drop a car at a dealership. But after that, if the if the sky's clear, I could be headed that way to get a little uh, con- congealed lunch. I think that's my hope. Excellent. Well, I hope that you do it because I really want to know what day five of leftover Chipotle does to your stomach. Well, you know, so it's an interesting. I'm glad you brought this up, too. If I get this, would you prefer me eat it for lunch or eat it on air for breakfast tomorrow? Oh, I make it six day old Chipotle. I think you have one burrito today for lunch and then one burrito tomorrow for breakfast. Okay. All right, all right. I'm gonna if, if again the stars align. Let me make sure. Got you know, happy wife, happy life. If I could duck out to uh, where Bogish lives, I'll I'll try to make this happen. All right, excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to the Connor Green party here. Here we go. It is Side B of the PGP, and I am Maraz, the host of Side B, the executive producer of the DA show. All the good, fun stuff in between, and I'm joined by a green party today, not Andrew Bogish. It is the legend himself, Connor Green. Connor, it ain't easy being green. What is going on, Sean? How you doing? Well, the pressure was on me, Connor, as you stepped in on a Tuesday, May 18th, 2021 DA show, and a mere, what, two hours after I had episode two of Canadian Bacon of this NHL postseason, you dropped the Green Party, which, of course, brought the house down. And much like Frazier off of Cheers, or obviously the Jeffersons, you know, the Green Party is a bit of a spinoff of Canadian Bacon. Whenever I was out during the NHL postseason bubble, you would step in, you would do my Canadian bacon. They crew loved you doing it, so much so that they had to basically take the model of Canadian bacon and make it a green party, which is you discussing anything in life, as you did with good luck charms on Tuesday's show. I believe this was the first time that you and I both worked with DA where you were in studio hearing my Canadian bacon and then had to follow it with a green party. I felt a little bit of nerves. I felt like I had to deliver more. What was your feeling and sense knowing that this was going to happen on the show on Tuesday? You know, Sean, there's always a little bit of pressure, so you got to make sure that you have something ready to go. Hopefully it's something funny. And I knew, you know, I had to step it up a little bit because obviously you have your Canadian bacon so you got to let it rip a little bit and then hope that it just lands in a right way and that it's a little bit funny there. And so you just got to hope for the best. Okay, so now let me ask you this, because you obviously delivered the golden thong, the Tom Brady nuggets. What people listening to the show don't realize is that when you are in for a green party, DA will send basically the rundown after I've sent an email to the whole staff on kind of topics we want to cover. DA will send a rundown with what time we're going to cover each topic. And every time you are in, and I am in, if Pete is out, and he has a green party, he will just insert, okay, 8.40 a.m. Eastern, we're going to do a green party. What he does not put in there to me, to Bogish, to the Wizard of Watch DA, Andrew Kaplan, is what topic a green party will be covering. Instead, he must tell you that directly. So I think I would like to know, on a little interesting, you know, peel back the curtain, at what point in time do you get some kind of message from DA on, hey, you're going to be doing a green party tomorrow, this is the topic? So he'll let me know the night before, usually around like 9 or 10. And so he'll just say, hey, do you want to do a green party tomorrow? And I'll say, absolutely. 
and then he'll just let me know sort of what his idea is for the Green Party. So normally he'll give me an idea, and I'll say, sounds great, and then I have my own little twist on it that I'll go with uh, the, the next day. But normally he'll let me know around 9 or 10 the night before. There was one time where he let me know, I think it was like at 6.20 the morning of, and so I kind of had to come up with something while I was running the board there. But normally it comes in the night before around 9 or 10, and then I don't really write anything down or come up with anything, you know, concrete until the next day. But I'll normally sit there as I'm going to bed, as I'm trying to fall asleep and try to think of something that I can go with with forever, whatever topic that, you know, he threw out there or something like that. I try to figure it out a little bit in my head the night before and then when I'm going into work and then I write it down about an hour or so before the show. Okay, the reason I bring this up, and that's a good answer, is because it, it's got to be difficult. Because at least me with Canadian Bacon, I have a, like I know tonight there's going to be three hockey games. I'm going to probably pick, I'll pick a goal from each couple games, maybe a big save, a sound bite, which obviously none of those exist, but I have a general idea I'm covering hockey. When he tells you this, you're talking about you have an eight-hour or nine-hour window before the show begins from the time he tells you. And you have no idea what the topic's going to be until he tells you that. So then not only do you have to think of, like, three things, if you will, that will cover the topic. Then once you have those, you're going to have to come up with your material and delivery and all of that. And, oh, by the way, you're, you know, within those hours, you're going to be sleeping most of that time as you get ready for the show. That is not an easy task for you to do. And then you come out and you deliver every time. Well, it's nice in a sense that, you know, I don't have to overthink it too much because I don't have a ton of time to think about it. And it's also nice because normally the topics are always something creative, so it's not just like something lock, stock, barrel, boring. It's like a little bit different. One of them was like, you know, top three Britney Spears songs you'd play at a party. So like I never know what he's going to go with. So it allows me to be a little bit creative and do my own thing a little bit. The one thing that is kind of hard about the Canadian Bacons is you're really doing a recap of the hockey games. And like for the most part... It's not like something super funny has happened during the game. I mean, last year we had John Tortorella in the playoffs, which made it a little bit easier because he was always giving, like, big comments in the post-game press conferences. But for the most part, when you're just recapping the game and you're giving the goals, it's not super easy to be really creative and make something funny out of what is really, like, an important playoff game in the NHL. Well, see, that's that's another great – see, Connor, you're 10 steps ahead of me here. This is the other fight I have with Canadian Bacon. I want to make the segment entertaining. I obviously want to make people laugh during it, keep them coming, because hockey is one of those things, like, you know, Connor, I have a passion, I have a love for it, so does Andrew Bogus on the show as well, but it's one of those things where we have a diehard hockey listener base, there's no doubt about it, that listen to the DA show every day, that deserve their fix, particularly during the postseason, these are playoff games, we absolutely should be talking about them, and this is a way to talk about it, but for a lot of people who might tune out on hockey, you know, I also want to deliver and make sure they keep coming back because they want to hear, you know, something good, something interesting, something funny. So striking that balance, if you really think about it behind the scenes, is difficult because I don't want to make the whole thing completely shtick. You know, you want to get your nuggets. You know, a, a fan of a team wants to hear their goal call played. You want to hear people fired up about their hockey team and, and the postseason in general if you're a hockey fan. And then at the same time, not make it overly sticky, but then I sort of do anyway because, you know, I want to make people laugh and make it as entertaining as possible. And I, I think finding that balance with Canadian bacon is difficult, but it's something that, that I think you do very well, which is ironic because I was the first one to do it. So now I come to you basically pleading, hand in hat. I've done two of these, Connor, and the biggest one I got knocked for, Joel Erickson Eck scores a goal <laughs> on Sunday. And I played off the Billy Joel thing with sing us a song, you're the overtime ending man. 
with the Minnesota Wild. And I I tell you this, on Sunday, I've mentioned this numerous times throughout the week, I had a very busy day. Uh, I had to move clear out of my house. We had been talking about this on the PGP for weeks, that I was going to be having some home renovations. I kept one TV hooked up, and as I'm moving around stuff, I, I was watching the whole day of playoffs. And, and I'd be in the middle of doing something really important at home, and I'd, I'd see a big goal and say, all right, I could use that. What can I do? And I'm making mental notes the whole time. The one I was the most proud of when that overtime winner went in was, I'm going to do a great Billy Joel line here. And I thought it was going <laughs> to kill. And Bogus and DA hated it. So you don't have to, to wax me or anything. Be honest. When you hear that line, do you roll your eyes and laugh like that's so stupid? Do you think it's a ridiculous or do you think that's actually creative and you liked it? I think it's creative. I like it. It's a little bit cheesy, but like really everything like to a certain degree that we do is like a little teeny bit like all all the jokes I make are a little bit cheesy, like Medina spirit can't compete to secretariat and all that kind of stuff. So it's like a little tongue in cheek, maybe a little bit cheesy, but a lot of the stuff that we do is like a little bit like that. And I like the line. I think the problem you might have got into is then going back to the well right away the next day that might have been the problem if you left it as a standalone the one day where it made sense with joel erickson you know maybe that would be better but then going back to it the next day might have been a problem because you're sort of going to the well maybe a little bit too much with the billy joel joke and maybe it didn't apply as much the second time around as the first time around but you could also look at in the other way, which is I think what you're going to do, is every time now somebody scores a goal in overtime, you're going to make that same joke, which then I like. Because then it becomes like a thing and it becomes a bit. So in that way, I do like it. So if you keep going with it now, it actually could end up turning into a good thing for you in the end. Yeah, I'm picturing t-shirts, the overtime winning man <laughs> right. or the overtime ending man with me with the Odyssey blue light glasses playing the piano or something like that. I can see it now. Now, I'm going to put you on the hopper here. Okay, people didn't like that. All right, Connor, you got to do Canadian bacon tomorrow morning. The Wild are playing again. Joel Erickson X scores in overtime. Your line to deliver the goal and the highlight is what off the cuff? I think you got to go right back to the Billy Joel line. You have to. There's okay. no other line in that situation. Now that you already went to it and it makes sense, and if he goes out there and scores another goal in overtime, you have no choice because he is the guy you made the joke about. Here he comes again. Bang, you got a goal, and you have the joke ready to go. You got to go with it. Okay, so I agree with you. I would do that. Let's pretend we live in a world where that goal and that call never happened, and it's you having delivered Joel Erickson Eck. They hated my line. What would you go with? I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. I usually like to think about it a little bit and give it about 20 minutes when I'm trying to fall asleep, and then I think of something. And it's possible if I was doing the Canadian bacon for that game, maybe I wouldn't make a joke specific to his name or make a pun based on his name. So I don't know off the top of my head what I would do if I was in your position. All right, you're disappointing me. I'm going to throw a couple other names out you here. I'm going to get something. I gave you Nathan McKinnon. (laughs) He was a hot dog. What would you give me for a Nathan McKinnon goal? I don't know. I don't have these off the top of my head. Like, see, I don't have the puns. I don't. I know. I write things down. I have no talent off the cuff. It's I. I have to think about things ahead of time. The now, how long did it take you to come up with the Nathan hot dog joke? Two seconds. Two seconds. I thought of Nathan's right away. It was in my head, ready to go. The call also featured a Mac attack, which Bogus hated because then I referenced Big Macs as well. He told me I have to stick with one food. I said, "To heck with it. We're going to go multiple foods. Let's have a blast here." Well, you're great with the puns. I, I know that like even when we used to come back in, into the studio, you used to always come up really quick with the puns that would be like underneath the header for each segment. 
But I would like to have to think about it and that going through in my head, what should we do? But you just come up with it in like two or three seconds. So you have that ability to like right away come up with a pun for somebody's name or some kind of segment or whatever it may be. So what you're telling me here is I'm coming to you for advice. You're telling me I don't need advice from you on Canadian bacon? Is that what you're telling me? Not in regards to coming up with jokes about people's names like that. Like that's not something that I would be able to do right off the top of my head. You know, I I would probably not make the joke about, you know, his name if it was me because I probably just wouldn't have thought of it in the moment like that. I would never have thought of a Billy Joel song in regards to Joel Erickson. It just wouldn't have happened. The sad part about that, Billy, I mean, it has him called Billy Joel (laughs) Connor. His name is Joel Erickson Eck. What gets lost in that Billy Joel line? I started the call with the wild say, what the Eck? I mean, come on, that kills. Now that's a that's a killer joke right there. It, it kills. Killer. It kills. And I don't think it, honestly, you have to pay attention really closely, or you might actually miss that joke. That's the sad thing about See, that one. Here is what I'm talking about. We're striking a balance. If I think I have a really good line that's going to crush, like the Billy Joel line, and it didn't crush, people forget the other good stuff that's in Canadian bacon, like the other maybe right. stuff that might have been funny. I had a good Sun Pass line. I I had a cat meow mix line with the Florida Panthers. All that stuff, you know, I work hard on it. gets all flushed down the toilet, and all anybody walks away going is, can you believe he went with a bad Piano Man joke? So, It's sad. You get a bad – if you make one bad joke or yeah. one cheesy thing, you make one mistake, and that's in everything in life. People will just fixate on that. It's like Wade Boggs. Yep. Poor Wade Boggs had this great career, great hitter. They put him in there at first base. He had no business being out there, makes the error, and that's all anybody remembers, even though he had a great career in other aspects. Connor, you're York. like Wade Boggs, right? Or not and Wade I, Boggs? Yeah, Wade Boggs. Yeah. Well, and and the thing I'll say about if we're going to reference old Yankees and Red Sox is this: we just did a lot on David Wells on side A. Date, look, my Billy Joel line is the one hit that David Wells could have given up versus the Twins. Those Beanie Babies aren't worth anything. The bird poop on Da's arm isn't worth anything, and nobody remembers that game anymore. Nobody's going to remember those little lines. If all I'm remembered for is Billy Joel. So I have a long way to go. It's a long two months. I, Connor, frankly, there might be a day or two where I'm off and you have to pinch hit on Canadian bacon. So you better have those lines ready and better stay hot, my friend. I know. And the problem is now if I make one mistake, that's what's going to be what's remembered is the mistake. And I meant Bill Buckner, not Wade Boggs. But you're right. right. The pressure's oh, on. Right. It's Bill Buckner, not Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs was not the guy that made there. So I, I do have that pressure. Where, How do I not correct you on that? See, now you got, <laughs> I'm, I'm so in my head on Canadian bacon and making mistakes that I let you make the weight box. And I'm like, no, no, you're right. I, no, I'm an idiot. So you're focused on the names and the puns and the Canadian I, bacon. I so. think I was racing through more Joel Erickson Eklund. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the pressure's on. If I have to fill in, then I really have to deliver because if I make a mistake, if I make a really cheesy bad joke— it's going to be a bit on the show, and the people, the listeners are going to are going to hammer me for it. So you really have to make sure you go out there and you have something that's at least pretty funny because if you make the mistake, like my friend Wade Boggs or Bill Buckner, <laughs> you will get crushed by it. Well, that was constructive, Connor. <laughs> Thank you very much. You can follow you on Twitter. At Connor underscore Green 51. Like a famous linebacker. He's got to have that number out there. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Perez. Yes, have a great week, everyone. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. T Mobile.com.